Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go to the village in front of you. Immediately as you enter, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, what are you doing with this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt untied to a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And when someone, some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and drew their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches, and they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Absolutely love special occasions. And I certainly love Palm Sunday and one of my favorite uh, times of the year, favorite passages of scripture. It's so wonderful, so amazing. Uh, Palm Sunday. You, you think through this text. Let's just think through the text, and um, I'll make a, a few co- extra comments on it. But just, just first of all, you notice that there's a, a lot of, about the donkey here. Uh, more than half the text is is about acquiring. It, it, the other other texts say it's a donkey colt. So if you say, well, wait a minute, a colt could be a horse. Well, it's a, it, clearly a donkey. There's a lot in here. And Jesus goes through this whole rigmarole of, of getting this donkey, and uh, he's demonstrating all kinds of things about who he is. They come to these two little towns, and this is, again, the, the higher elevations, uh, like 3,500 feet elevation. There's these towns up there around the Mount of Olives, and he sends uh, uh, his disciples, two of them, into that village, and he has this little... Uh, Procedure that they're supposed to go through, which is quite wonderful and preposterous uh, all at the same time because, uh, you know, just think about this illustration. Let's, maybe you like riding bicycles. Uh, bicycles are awesome. And let's say you park your bike and you lock it. Uh, you're going to Target. Pick up some things at Target. You lock your bike out there, right? And you come out and you see some guy picking the lock, right? And you go, what are you doing taking my bike, right? And he looks at you and says, the Lord needs this. You're going to say, okay, sure, fine, take it. No, no, no problem, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's preposterous. No, this won't happen unless there's other forces at work. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. Uh, There's other forces at work here. It's quite wonderful and amazing. And and also just notice again at the text, it says, um, immediately as you enter, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Uh, This 
wants to make this really very clear. This, I'm not a, a person who knows anything about horses. I've been, a, you know, I've been on a horse 17 minutes my entire life. And it was not the happiest 17 minutes of my life. <laughs> oh, no, no offense to horses. They're wonderful, right? Um, but there's a thing called an unbroken horse, right? There's a thing called or an unbroken donkey colt. This is a fairly young donkey colt, right? Because uh, you don't just, you don't believe me. They didn't use donkeys as comfort animals, you know? They didn't get on the plane... This is my comfort animal. <laughs> Get that donkey off our airplane. No, in other words, they didn't have them as house pets to comfort up to them. And their work, they're beasts of burden. It's an investment. It's like a tractor. Uh, you don't have a tractor unless it's a John Deere. They are beautiful. They are a work of art. Nothing runs like a deer. They're made in Moline, I think East Moline, Illinois, where my father was born. My dad always had a fascination with John Deere, so he actually bought one of those, you know, riding lawnmower John Deeres back in, uh, this is about 1970 or so, maybe 68. And uh, it was a beautiful thing. And then one time my brother found out you could go really fast on it. He was zipping down our property and turned real, real quick and didn't realize that dad had parked the truck right there. And he slammed into the, the side of our pickup truck and smashed up the beautiful John Deere, which at least half of its purpose was just to be beautiful. Uh, but so no, this is, no, a donkey's not like that, right? Why isn't it broken? Because it's really young and no one's ever ridden it before. And it's preposterous to say, get me that donkey. I'm going to get on that donkey. Uh, there's just layers and marvelous uh, irony in this entire story. Uh, the Lord has need of it and will send it back immediately. O- only, only Mark re- records that last part, send it back immediately. Um, and I'm sure he did that. Um, it would be kind of cool to think that he just, you know, like said, okay, thank you, thank you, boy and slapped the donkey on the rear end, and the donkey made its way back to the town all by itself. It doesn't say that, but, you know, why not? It could be. (laughs) could be. Uh, There's a lot of of layers here, a lot of power. Uh, There's a lot of revelation about who Jesus is. Uh, So they go in, and they find it exactly as Jesus did, and and then this, this event unfolds. Unexpectedly, it's surprising. Uh, it, you know, I've gone to church my entire life. Praise God. I, I was about, about Mercy's age. Actually, I was like four days old when I first came to church. Um, and it's been a huge blessing. I hardly, hardly ever missed a Sunday, v- virtually. I've heard, isn't that amazing? I think it's kind of amazing. So it's, it's a blessing in my life. So. There's not a lot that surprises you, you know. You don't really go to church to expect something surprising. It's sort of routine. I mean, I'm 60 years old, and I've gone in my entire life. But this was really surprising. I think it's a shame that we lose the marvel and lose the surprise of things. Uh, we, we, we need to reconnect 
with the surprising nature of, of this. Um, in fact, you know, they say Hosanna, and the very last phrase of our text was, uh, that is in verse 10, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, I, I, I often never, I really never thought about what that means. But really what it means is to like get to the highest level and, and yell this really loudly. Get up high and yell it. It's actually, you know our, our, our doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. You're saying, ye heavenly hosts, ye angels, uh, you guys praise him from up there. We'll praise him down here. You praise him up there. And our praise will reverberate and be really, really big because he deserves it. Um, and, And so it's a shocking, surprising and seems very spontaneous. Uh, he'd, he'd been to Jerusalem many times before. This never happened before. But in God's timing and in God's perfect plan and, and revelation, it happens here to introduce him to what we call Holy Week. Uh, this is the week. Well, he will. He comes in with the palms. He will have the Last Supper later on establishing communion and he'll uh, go to the he'll wash the disciples feet this week Uh, he'll go and he'll go to the garden of gethsemane and he'll pray that prayer a massive beautiful prayer and he'll be uh, he'll be betrayed this week this week And, and he's going to have a quote trial by the senior pastors again. They rear their ugly head. They're, they're, they're a terrible lot. I would never want to be a senior pastor. Oh, wait, yeah. Uh, <laughs> spiritual leaders. The, who can be the worst? <laughs> spiritual leaders can be the worst because um, you have so much responsibility in how you lead. And and the the senior pastors and the spiritual leaders in this community look really bad uh, because they are bad, actually. I shouldn't say they look bad. They are bad. Uh, so this week he's going to have this midnight trial and a rush to judgment, and, and they insist on Rome crucifying him, and we call it Good Friday. Uh, you know, don't miss our Good Friday service this Friday, 730, uh, where we worship Jesus, thinking about the crucifixion. That happens this week. And then, then, of course, the week ends with Jesus dead. And it's dark and silent and seems hopeless. That's the week that he's heading into. And this joyous, weird, spontaneous event introduces all of that. So, you know, hey-ho, way we go, riding on a donkey. Jesus wants us to... to sense the uh, layers of his revelation. You know, some of the silly arguments against the Bible and against God's revelation is, well, why is it, why is it unusual? Why is God revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I mean, that's complicated. And since it's complicated, it must not be true. I, I don't know if you've actually heard that argument. I have. I actually have heard that argument. And, the, you know, the counter to it is, 
It's a revelation of God. Guess what? He's different. <laughs> the theologians say he's holy, and that's W-H. He's holy other. We're created. He's the creator. He exists on his own forever. We are derived and dependent. We're created. We don't even, we can't even fathom what it's like to be independent. He doesn't worry about the next moment. He, he has no anxiety. He, the Bible says he actually laughs at his enemies because he, he, he catches the humor that they think they're getting away with it. You know, ha we, we fooled God this time. Um, no, 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 he's God. He's God. And so his revelation is marvelous. Um, so I ask the question, Why? Why the big deal about the donkey? This text wants us to ask that question. Why? Why? Well, first of all, I say it just, this whole thing just shows the sovereignty and the providence of God. He's, he's the powerful God, and he does things the way he wants to do them, and he's fully capable of pulling it off <laughs> any way he wants to. The, the pieces of the puzzle come together. He, if he wants to ride an unbroken donkey without getting thrown off, I mean, even getting a donkey to move can be challenging. You know, they, they don't want to move. They have to be trained to move. Uh, and this donkey just carries him right on in. And are animals sometimes skittish about loud noises or strange environments? Oh, no, no, never. <laughs> no, this is a big problem with, with uh, horses and donkeys. Again, I know nothing of what I'm talking about, but, but you know I, what I'm saying is true. <laughs> they get scared. They get, they, get, they get spooked. And here he is. They're yelling, Hosanna, which is a word that donkey has never heard before. Uh, and they're laying coats and cloaks, and they're all in the way of the donkey, and, and he just... Rides right, nothing runs like a donkey. <laughs> he goes right in. So I, I just say that this, this is demonstrating who Jesus is. He, he's the sovereign God. He, he has a plan and he will do what he wants to do. He's the God of all providence. And it's clearly about humility as well. Um, we're, we're, and it, it, it deals with a prophecy. Here's the prophecy. This was written... Um, in the neighborhood of 500 years before Jesus came. And that's really what a, a lot of this text is about, this prophecy from Zechariah. Rejoice greatly. And there's irony in this, too. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud. Again, today is about noise. And it's good to be noisy when appropriate. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why? Why? Why should we get so excited? Look, behold, your king is coming. Oh, good. Our knight in shining armor, the one with the massive spear, the one with the, the javelin or whatever he's got to destroy the Romans, to displace them. He's going to cause fear because he's riding a borrowed donkey. Yay. No, behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, 
on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is a prophecy that comes totally, completely fulfilled. The pieces of the puzzle just fit together perfectly, miraculously. This is a miracle that Jesus fulfills this prophecy. So why, why, oh why, with the big deal about the, the, the donkey? It's the sovereignty of God. This is who he is. He does as he pleases. We have to trust him. We have to know him. We have to follow his revelation. Listen to what he says, because he will do what he says. And he's a God, the, the Savior who is humble. He's going to do the work. You know, it's, and I think a side point here is, wouldn't you and I want to be the donkey that carries Jesus into a place where he needs to be? You know, Andy, I'm not going to try to insult you, but it wouldn't it be blessed to be just a donkey in the service of Jesus. I'll, I'll be the ass that carries Jesus into. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just a humble. Uh, that's really cool. It's all about humility and Jesus uh, getting where he needs to be. And it's certainly about prophecy. And, and I think it just, honestly, it, th- this whole thing is just layered with wonder and amazement. It's supposed to make us go, wow, this is so amazing. God is so cool. Guess what? His revelation is wonderfully complex and surprising. And it's, it's marvelously ironic. That's why I had a little picture of Palm Sunday, which you're also disciplined. I didn't get one little even giggle out of it. <laughs> we don't care, Nate. We've seen it all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I say, uh, l- wake up. This revelation is irony. What, what, what's irony? What's irony? Well, like, here's a couple of ideas about irony. Welcome to colorful Colorado. Yeah, I can see that. There's a, there's a sage color in here. <laughs> Colorado means red. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Well, And how about this one? There's a n- newspaper called The Republican. The Republican, where the news hits home. It's one of their delivery trucks uh, taking it very literally. This is, a, this is irony. It's... it's it's supposed to kind of make you laugh a little bit. And, and I, I know, I'm not being sacrilegious, but I just think that this is like the incarnation of Jesus. It's just filled with irony. God is surprising and wonderful. Uh, here's some major points of irony. And I, I don't know if we have any majors, but that's a, a little irony here. Okay? If you're, if you're in the army, that's the, the thing that symbolizes a major. Okay. Major irony. This is the word of God. The virgin shall conceive. Say what? (laughs) Huh? Honestly, it's it's an oxymoron. It can't happen. (laughs) Because while the conception is taking place, she's no longer a virgin in our normal way of thinking. But the virgin shall conceive. Jesus will be born of a virgin. It's gloriously surprising and wonderful. Uh, Secondly, how about the creator becomes his creation? The Bible says that Jesus is the creator. 
He created everything. So how, how can he, I don't know if irony is the right word, but it's, it's dumbfounding. It's phenomenal. Don't lose the wonder of who Jesus is. Because he becomes his creation at the same time of maintaining his natural creatorship. And how about this one? The Almighty God rides an unbroken, borrowed donkey into Jerusalem. That's irony, folks. That's incredible. How about the forces of evil kill the all-powerful God? How does that work? It's a quote from, from Peter. You killed the author of life. It's beautiful. So I say, why? Why the irony? Why the irony? What is this text supposed to do? Like I said, this is, this is how it really happened. And how are we supposed to respond to it? First of all, I'm indicating that we're supposed to be surprised. It's gloriously surprising. Yes, it's uh, amazing. Yes, it sounds like a fantasy. Sounds like a fairy tale. But it's real. <laughs> you want to talk about the magic kingdom? That's nothing compared to this. This is actually real. This is how, how Jesus has revealed himself. Uh, it, is, it is marvelously. We're supposed to marvel at this. And it's filled with wonder. We're supposed to be drawn to Jesus and say, Wow! You are so amazing. And I think this final point is perhaps even one of the most important. That is, it requires faith. You know, one of the main principles of the Bible is we walk by faith, not by sight. God says, believe. This revelation, you won't get another revelation. No other revelation will be given you except Jesus, he's the ultimate revelation of God. He's, he's not like an early edition that needs to be corrected or changed or improved. He's it. And, and we live in an age when, you know, I, I wasn't there. I didn't ever see Jesus. I didn't ever get to see him ride a donkey. I never got to yell out Hosanna. Um, I, I didn't see him. And Jesus says, you know what? Blessed are you people who believe, who have not, who will not see, who have not seen me. So we're especially blessed by God's work in our life. If the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes and removed the blindness so that we believe, we believe it requires faith. Now, let's look at the last part of this text. Uh, and that is the actual event that day. I want to put it this way. The headline reads, Jerusalem gets it right for a few minutes. This is the way Jesus should be treated. Uh, you pull all stops. You, lo you lose your composure. <laughs> Jesus is amazing. I've had some wonderful experiences in my life. Uh, I went, when I went to seminary, I... I started to, uh, Charlotte was going to teach high school and, and pay my way through school. And then she ran off and got pregnant. <laughs> well, she didn't run off. It was all at home, you know. And so, the, and, and, uh, so I had to get a job. So I, I, I'm like, 
There was a McDonald's two blocks from my house. Went to the McDonald's and got a job. I worked there about six months. Uh, back in the old days when you had a bin. <laughs> anyway, uh, and that wasn't the best job. So I started uh, fishing around for another job, and a friend of mine said, hey, you know what? I went to school, seminary right outside of D.C., and Washington, D.C. hires security guards all over the place. So there was a, a company that contracted with the government uh, to provide security guards. So I became a security guard. I did it for 26 months uh, while I was in seminary. It was a perfect job. I worked the, mainly 2 p.m. to 10 p.m., and the beautiful thing about it is during that time period, the last half of that time period, the building was closed. <laughs> Nobody ever came in this building after 5 o'clock. So I was literally paid to sit at a desk, do my homework, and I was doing my job as well. I was a great security guard. Nothing ever happened while I was on duty. <laughs> I, I, I had a 38 too. Never fired it. Okay, one time when I was in the bathroom, <laughs> I decided to like investigate it, and I was over the sink, and I, I opened it up, and the bullets fell out and went down the drain. This is like not good, right? <laughs> Fortunately, I had a pipe wrench in my car, and I went out and, and took apart the drain and got the bullets, put them back in. They were a little wet, but you know. <laughs> what's my point this is my point one time one time I was chosen to be the guard they took my gun away I was at the Department of Energy I was chosen to be the guard who pushed the elevator button when Ronald Reagan came to visit the Department of Energy and I was in the elevator Ronald Maximus Reagan. And with a couple of guys, too, with Secret Service, with these big bulges in their jackets, Uzis, this sort of thing. <laughs> but I, it's, 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 I remember the moment. It was, I was there ready to push the button. I think we went two floors. And, uh, but, but as soon as he walked in, I started floating. I was two feet off the ground, and I couldn't think straight. It was, there is the President of the United States of America, and he's 18 inches from me. And honestly, he's like a god. Is he, is he a real person? Wow, he's shorter than I thought he'd be. <laughs> I'm serious. I, it was numbing, numbing. And I finally did get the button pushed. We went up the elevator, and the door opened, and he starts to leave. And just at that moment, I go, <laughs> I'm going to shake his hand. And it was a little too violent and quick, so the, the Secret Service, <laughs> they jumped a little bit too, but everything was fine. I successfully shook his hand. I have not washed this hand. <laughs> the year was uh, 1982, probably, something like that. Anyway, true story. Here's Jesus, right? We've lost. We're way too comfortable. 
He is God. <laughs> and yeah, maybe as a human being, he wasn't quite as tall as you thought he'd be, but he really is God. Jerusalem gets it right, and we need to be those people in this society, in this day and age. Our, our society, in this, they're, they're hungry for reality. We know reality. And occasionally we're asked to push the button for the elevator to move reality from one floor to another. <laughs> God help us. God help us. And what, what is this about? It's this. Some, these are my final bullets. Jesus is the son of David. And as such, he's the promised everlasting king. He is the ruler of the universe. Wow. And he comes on an unbroken, borrowed donkey. He comes saying, believe, have faith, trust me. Trust me, it doesn't end like it looks right now. It doesn't end this way. There's coming a time, our Psalm 7, our Psalm 7 said there's coming a time where he's going to bring judgment. If we don't repent now, he's, he's going to be the, the judge of all mankind. And there's this, this Psalm 89, by the way, talks about this everlasting king. I'm not going to turn to it because we're really low on time. Secondly, he is the coming Savior. That's the beauty of this. He's the king of the universe, but he's also the Savior. He's the one you want to shake his hand. <laughs> you want to grasp him. You want to take hold of him. He can save you. And actually, amazingly, the word Hosanna means save me, please. And it becomes, I praise you because I trust you that you can save me. Hosanna, save me. Yashaz, the Hebrew verb to save, it's the root of that expression. And that, and that psalm there, 118, 17 through uh, 29 is the basis of, of the Hosanna story of, of Mark 11. And then finally, of course, this is what I'm saying. He is worthy of praise. Well, that's what we've been singing. We sang it all, all morning. We should worship him all the time. Father, thank you for letting us be a burrow to carry you once in a while. Or the guy chosen to push a button to take you to the right floor. Oh, Father, we worship and praise you. You are the king of the universe. Melech Ha'olam, it says in Hebrew, the king of eternity, the king of the universe. You are the king of kings, the Lord of lords. We worship and praise you. Our, our feet can, should feel like we're floating a little bit around you. Help us to remember the wonder and Lord, help us to have faith and confidence in who you are. And Lord, thank you that you're not only the, the king of the universe, but you're a forgiving, merciful God. And the whole fact that you came on a borrowed, unbroken donkey into your city is symbolic of the age of grace and kindness. You, you're not here to bring wrath and judgment this time. 
You're here to bring mercy, and we repent of our sins, oh Lord. They are many. Your mercy's more, but our sins, they are many. So forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and release us to worship you and to call others to reality. Amen.